I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Hey folks, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, January 29, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. And here we are once again, hanging around the majority of the day, at least north of 263. We took a visit lower earlier, however, finished again north of 263. Wherever the important number is, somewhere in the vicinity of 263, the market thinks this price level is important. We'll quickly go down to a 10-minute chart. This has got some after-hours activity. Let's take that away. And you can see here that we've just played around with 263. You can see where... The market is supportive, or 263 is supportive of the market. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. Apple reported earnings after the closing bell. The market likes it so far. Apple's up about 8 bucks as they make this video. So it's hard to see that as a negative tomorrow. So that can only be a positive as long as it stays that way. Since we're discussing Apple, might as well go look at it right out of the gate. So here's the daily chart of Apple. Let's go ahead and check out the after hours activity. Remember, we had two particular price levels on Apple. We had one up north, which is 165. And then we had one down below, which I've taken that off because Apple was headed in the other direction. So let's go see the after hours activity. And here you'll see that after an initial move lower, Apple took off to the upside and so far made a high, and you can see it here, of 164.85. So I was off by 15 cents, but we'll just call that a rounding error. So there's your resistance, at least for now, in Apple. Who knows, maybe by the time Wednesday morning rolls around, it'll be up another 5 or $10. We don't know. <clears throat> But what I do believe is 165 was going to be at least initial area of resistance. Let's get back to the business with the larger market, the bigger picture, what's going on. The market is winding up again. It's coiled up. It's going to have a move. The move is going to be at least bigger than a bread box. So we're either looking at a spike higher and probably higher than last Friday's highs and those are right over here, so you can see just a couple of trading days ago. On the downside, if we were to fall, I don't think anything changes. I still think the market would find support either north of or worst case for the short term at 260, 259.96 is exactly where that trend line is. It's really 260. It's just a big fat round number. Now, Apple's up in the after hour session and that's fine, but that's not an end all be all. Apple doesn't necessarily drive the market, although most traders, most investors, most pundits on television would have you believe, but the reality is, is the market's going to do what the market's going to do. So what I'd like to do is go down to the hourly chart for a second, because we have to talk about the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is essentially a bearish pattern that's on the hourly chart, and it just keeps continuing on and on and on, hour after hour after hour. And until and unless we can break this somehow at least 
with the start getting above this particular pivot, until and unless something like that happens, then this is generally going to head south in the other direction, which is why we have to always look at both sides of the market. Apple reported the market likes it after hours. We don't know what's going to happen Wednesday morning when you show up at 9.30. The job is to be objective and look at both sides of the market, take that information, put it in a bucket, put it on the table. They're all puzzle pieces. When you start to assemble the puzzle and you start to get that clear picture, that's where a trade setup comes from. Here's that 240-minute or half a day's chart. And remember, this is also a bearish pattern if you count it down from the highs when we gap down this week from Friday's close to Monday's open. That's the same drop we were looking at on the hourly chart, just compressed down a little bit. So we're riding the 263. The energy is going to be released one way or the other. Is it going to be down? Is it going to be up? That's the challenge. Right now, there's conflicting information. If I look at this, it's bearish. If I look at the hourly chart, it's bearish. Same information on the daily chart. And minus this one blip with one shot higher on Friday and then a move lower into this week, I can make both cases. It's bearish if I want to do this, right? I can do that. That's bearish. Or I can take that off and I can never show you that. And I can say, hey, look, this is bullish. This is going higher. And I can do that. And that's going to be right under normal. And in most cases, under normal market conditions, most of the time, that's what's going to happen. However, when I look at that shorter time frame, when I look at that hourly chart, for example, I still have a case where we have to visit lower prices. There's energy in the market. It's going to be released. The question is, which direction and to what price? So that brings up something else. Maybe Apple won't move the market. What else do we have on the docket? Well, we have the Fed. We have the old Kabuki Theater on the docket. I even saw before that CNBC was handicapping the odds of a rate increase and what timing and all that nonsense. I didn't have the sound on, but I can certainly read. So it is Kabuki Theater, and the Fed meets today and concludes their meeting tomorrow with a press conference. So that's Wednesday afternoon press conference. So markets have a tendency to get whipsawed around 2 o'clock and that press conference thereafter. So we'll see what happens. There's a move coming. The market's looking for an excuse to make a move. It's likely going to have it tomorrow, if not Thursday. My bigger picture is telling me higher. My short time frames are telling me lower. Generally speaking, the bigger picture is going to pull the market in that direction. It's kind of like Having two magnets, only one is much larger than the other. Well, which one is going to win out? It's the larger magnet that's going to draw the market in that direction. So if it is, in fact, from a larger time frame that's drawing the market and that is, in fact, higher, then that's likely going to win out. And that would end up being, at least in my mind, from my perspective, why the market has been fighting 263. Not the reason for 263, but the reason that the market is fighting. The bulls are fighting the bears, and someone is going to win, and there's a decision point coming, and that decision point has certainly been pivoted around 263 for some reason. The market finds it important 
in and around this area. That's at least the way I look at it, and I've warned you before, going inside my mind is an extremely dangerous place to be. You gotta almost put on a hard hat and even those big rubber boots. Anyway, that's the story on the spider, so we can just move it along. That's basically your S&P 500. In a nutshell, the S&P was down four points today, which is just a rounding error. So on a day when nothing happened, I sure had a lot to say about it. How about the IWM? Any new information over here? No new information. Again, just a rounding error. No change from yesterday. Same story. If you're unsure about the IWM, go watch yesterday's video. Nothing changed. Anything doing over at the transports? Or maybe I should say anything doing at the transportation department? Well, they were up half a percent, and while the IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator, and it gave us no indication, in fact, at the end of the day, it's lagging. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's not fair. I take that back from the IWM. But the point is, is the transports were in a leading position today, and I'll leave it at that. So do we have anything real tangible to gain out of that right now? Not so much just yet, but it's in the back of my mind. It's a small puzzle piece. It's on the table. It's a bullish chart. There's nothing wrong with this chart. There's nothing technically wrong with this chart. This is a chart that's telling you it wants to push higher. Higher prices are likely coming in the transports. If higher prices are coming in the transports, wouldn't it make sense that they're coming across the board? That just makes, what, common sense market analysis, right? That's not rocket science. So I'm saying that there are several charts out here that have a bullish makeup to them. And even on a down day, here are the cues. The cues still really aren't bearish. They're above the moving averages. And we're just eating time off the clock after a big move from the December lows. So technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with the cues. You have a convergence of the 20 and the 50 period moving average coming in on the daily chart. The market is kind of edging down to test that area. There's nothing technically wrong with the cues whatsoever and if apple stays in positive territory that's certainly not going to hurt the tech sector and think about it for a minute let's talk about apple so that was a setup right so a little while ago they pre-announced they're changing the way they're reporting they had some poor numbers they're pre-announcing and they throw apple out with the bathwater. and then here i don't even know what they said i don't care what the earnings were i have no idea no clue what the numbers were i have no clue what the estimates were by the way why is that why don't i have a clue why don't i care well Here's the way I look at earnings for one. It's really another form of kabuki theater. And here's the deal. I don't know how many analysts these days cover Apple, for example. But let's just say for argument's sake, there's 40 or 50. What are earnings expectations? By the time they get to you, they're an average of 50 analysts that calculated what they guess or believe Apple's earnings are going to be based on independent models they all use from one another and now based on an average of 30 or 40 or 50 analysts we're all waiting with bated breath to see if apple beat analysts guessed expectations on average of about 50 analysts so when you put it that way i'll just look at the chart after the fact and try and identify where the highest likely area of support or resistance is and see if there's a trade based off of that outside of that 
I'm really not interested in holding those type of stocks in front of earnings because anything could happen. They could have easily thrown it out with the bathwater and been down 10 bucks in a flash. You don't know what's going to happen on earnings. Might as well be playing dice in somebody's basement. What's going on over at the financial sector, the whole financial industry? We've been discussing this. Again, they're just eating time off the clock. We did get a little far extended from home base. So look at home base, which is the 20-period moving average. Look at home base rising up toward price. Look at price going sideways, eating time off the clock. At the same time, it's consolidating underneath the 100-period moving average. I really have no choice but to look at that and say, under normal conditions, that's bullish to me. Every time I've seen that before, not every time, I take that back, but most of the time when I've seen that before, it generally works out to the upside. And what do we have to the upside? We have a breakdown candle high that's right above current price. Is it likely they want to run a test to go up to test that breakdown candle high or fill that gap just above? Yeah, that seems like a likely solution. And again, that's just the way I'm looking at it. It's entering in my mind. Again, that one was pretty normal. There's not even yellow tape around that one. But still, getting in my mind, you have to be careful. But is the market going to fall apart without the financials falling apart? And the answer is no. Is there reason to believe today that the financials are going to fall apart? Well, if I run the same exercise and I take it down to an hourly chart, we have the same problem. But it's not that much of a problem. What would happen if that particular bearish pattern played out? How much is it really going to take down the financials? 25 or 30 cents? Maybe 40? It's not really that big of a deal. That could be a down day and they could flip it around. I'm not suggesting one or the other is going to happen. I'm just saying even if this hourly chart went downward and started fulfilling the type of pattern that will generally play to the downside... It's still only 25 or 30 cents when you really play the symmetry part of it out. And these are all things that are discussed and taught over and over again in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. So there are no surprises here. I just unpack little tiny pieces at a time. And really, if you haven't taken the course, it really never puts together the whole thing. It really never makes sense. But if you have taken the course, it's the opposite effect. It really makes sense. By the way, what's going on over at Inside the Numbers today? Well, the market was really quiet, so there wasn't a lot going on. There was one trade. We'll get to that in a moment. Pre-market, basically, we were looking at 26.47. That was the bogey. That was the pivot. We never really got above that by much, and it was rejected, or the market was rejected by around that price level, and we started going south, but we, we found support, obviously, around the 263. That was obvious. You could read the rest of this later if you want to take a snapshot. And then the uh, mid-market comes out, and I say very quiet day. As it turns out, the neighborhood around 2647 and Spider 26 or 264 and a quarter did act as an early pivot. They'll likely make another attempt at this price level, and that did happen, by the way. Whether they get there higher or come up short should be telling for the rest of the session. And it was. What I'm giving you is kind of like clues along the way. I guess you can call them breadcrumbs. I'm saying what I'm looking for is, for example, if they were strong and bullish and got above 2647 or 264 and a quarter as it relates to the spider and the market was really bullish, then you go back to what I said earlier in the morning. If we began closing hourly above that, you know where the next targets are. Traders use that information to their advantage every single day. 
We don't get the trades every single day. Today was a quiet day. There weren't a lot of trades available in the S&P 500 today. A couple here and there. But let's take a look at what else we had. We had morning gap trades, WHR. That never got to the price, and it took off to the upside. That was a shame. Really took off like a rocket. Then there was a couple more that came close, and they also took off to the upside. Those are heartbreakers. That happens. You all have seen that over and over and over again. But sometimes we do get filled on those, and you have to say thank you very much. You take your money. You head in the other direction and run as fast as you can. But we did have one. ALV was filled. Verizon came close, and one other one came close. Maybe it was Pulte. I can't remember. So I hope somebody's keeping track of these. So at least it was a trade on a very quiet day across the markets. The volume was non-existent today. There wasn't a lot of prime time opportunity. You take what the market gives you. That's trading 101. Here was the ALV trade. The target number one was 77.12. Target number two was 76.15. When targets are close together, traders have instructions on what to do with that information. And you can see what happened. The market found support slightly below that level, started to rally, and then handed you whatever you wanted to take. 50 cents, 75 cents, a dollar, dollar and a half. Whatever traders wanted to take off this, they could have taken off this trade. So better than no trades is one positive trade for sure. I know we're jumping around in this video tonight. Here's the SMH only because I have to keep you on your toes. And really, it was a quiet market out here. So I'm having to invent this content. The semis were down today. This is also NVIDIA as part of the culprit. That was down about another $4, I think, today. So the little pressure down here in the semis, SMH tracks the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. It was down a buck. It's not a big deal. Look at the type of movement it's had from the December lows it's been a tremendous move, so it's now just consolidating. Now it's just finding resistance after it's spiked through the 100-period moving average. So really, technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with this chart either. Surprise, surprise, we're up here at about 13.15 in gold, a little north of that. We expected that to be the next area of resistance, but that doesn't have to be the end of the move. Something's brewing here. I'm not really paying attention to the news, so obviously... There's a reason why everybody's following everybody into gold. The bogey is going to be about 1320. Where they close the week will be important for gold. Can they close the week above 1320? And I'll refine that a little bit more as the week goes on. But if they close above 1320, there could be another 20 to 25 handles in gold on the upside relatively quickly. I don't mean like hours or days, but there could be another 25 handles to the upside in gold, but that's a big task to close above 1320 on the week. It's not there yet. I'm just saying. Crude oil had that big up move today, and I owe everybody an apology. I missed the oil trade. I tried to put USO on the board yesterday, and my thought process was that we would get a little bit of a dip down early this morning, get filled on that, and it would take off to the upside. Instead, oil took off to the upside, and that's really where that other swing trade came from too, which has been taken off the board because it's in front of earnings, which I realized today. So we don't want to mess with the stock. For all the reasons we discussed before about Apple, we don't want to mess with the stock right in front of earnings. But that was the oil trade that I was looking for. I just missed it. I was like half a day late and a dollar short. That's okay. We'll get the next one. And that's the great thing about this business. There's always another trade around the corner. And I think we're going to end it on that note. 
we should get an increase in volatility in one direction or the other following the Kabuki Theater Fed announcement. So we'll give it a wrap here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.